at the edge of the water. Then, as silently as the mist gathering on the pond, the fawns would appear, mottled brown and white, standing on unsteady legs spread wide for balance. They would lower their heads and drink with their mothers. In the next instant, the deer would be gone, vanishing mysteriously before Jenny's eyes, beautiful, magic creatures that appeared and disappeared at the very moment of twilight. On certain nights, when the wind was from the south, and if the dogs were still, and if no one slammed a door or raised his voice, scores of deer would file silently into the field beyond the pond, their moving forms visible in the soft afterlight of dusk. More than once, the enchantment of the scene had worked its spell on Jenny, and she had fallen asleep on the sill, only to be gently lifted into bed by her father when he checked on the oil lamps before retiring. One May evening after supper, Mr. Drury took Jenny into a field that had just been sown with timothy seed. The wind was from the southwest, summery in feeling, and the man and his daughter stood for a moment, feeling the air and sensing the sweet rebirth of the land. "'We'll get our corn into the ground early this year,' said Mr. Drury. "'Maybe twenty acres of it. "'We need warm nights for corn, Jenny, "'and this will be a year for warm nights. "'We'll plant it in that field you're always looking at south of the pond.' "'Do deer eat corn, father?' he laughed. Yes, Jenny, deer eat corn, sometimes too much of it, unless there's a dog around at night. They'll come into a man's backyard ten feet from his door and eat the corn he's growing for his own table. They eat plants and apples, even roots and bark when times are lean, but they'll walk ten miles to get at a man's corn. When the snow lies heavy in this valley, Jenny, and the men are working inside their barns and the fields are quiet, you'll see a lot of deer in our cornfield. They'll kick away at a drift to get at the scraps underneath, and sometimes you'll see them roll in the snow, trying to melt it. On the way back to the house, Jenny asked if she could plant a special patch of corn for the deer. It would be their own corn, she said and they wouldn't have to steal it. Good idea, said Mr. Drury, swinging his daughter onto his shoulders. But instead of going to all that trouble, why don't I just plant an extra row in the cornfield? After we harvest it this fall, we'll store it in a special place in the corn crib, and you can feed it to the deer this winter. Jenny was immensely pleased. From her eagle's roost atop her father's shoulders, she looked into the field where the corn was to be planted. And suddenly, in Jenny's eyes, it was winter, and there was snow on the ground, and dozens of hungry deer were silently standing in a circle. Within the circle stood a little red-haired girl with corn in her hand. After the children had been put to bed that evening, William Drury and his wife sat outside on the edge of the stone porch. The peepers could be heard, and the smell of earth was in the air. 
Except for the oil lamp glimmering faintly from the window behind them, not a light was to be seen. Peace and timelessness were upon the land, and the man was content. He hadn't moved to this valley lightly, and he had done so only when the land he farmed on the northern edge of Manhattan had been annexed by the city, requiring him to leave. His first thought had been to change his trade, but he wanted his children to be raised on the land and in accord with his own precepts. So he had traveled west from Manhattan and found this valley and bought this farm. And he was glad for having done it. The land and the weather had been good to him. The warmth of May had been felt in April, and the spring rains had come early, softening the red, shaly soil for the plow. But there had been...